to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. I want to preach a message this morning. Thank you so much that I feel like the Lord gave me. And I've entitled it, Faithful to the End. And I want to read from Hebrews chapter 3, beginning at verse 12. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. And keep your Bible open there because I want to preach a lot of things from the book of Hebrews chapter 3. So you'll be able to reference it. The writer said, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Can you say amen to the word? Amen. All right, you can be seated this morning. Um, I'm going to talk about my boys. One of them's here and one of them's not. He's, Evan's downstairs. Evan's on staff. Uh, Jaron heads up our, our young adult ministry. Jaron's in here. But both of my sons... Uh, when they were kids, played sports. Um, and both of them were very different. Uh, Jaron was just totally into athletics from the time he was very small. Uh, we had him playing baseball at four and five. He played basketball. Uh, if he could play a sport, he could play highly motivated, highly motivated. You didn't have to, you didn't have to get after him. And, and he lived his dream and went all the way and played at Charleston Southern University, played travel ball and played at Teal Hannum, went to Charleston Southern University and was an NCAA Division I athlete. So he loved that. Now Evan, Evan loves sports too. He's a big Chicago Bulls fan. Um, he, he loves the Braves. Uh, he loves sports. Uh, we go to sporting events. I mean, he and I will even go to Green and go to hockey games. I mean, that's, that's, we're into it. But Evan, as a child, wasn't as motivated. Now, he was good at sports. Jaron would tell you that he was good. He was, a, he was a good baseball player. And we signed him up for the rec league to play baseball. And, and so they both played. Uh, Evan wasn't as motivated as much. We had to kind of work on him, but, but we kept him in there. Now, the reason I bring that up is because one of the lessons that we taught our children, our sons, when they were young is this. If you're going to sign up for the rec or the YMCA or whatever, to play basketball or or baseball, and, and might, you know they didn't play those, but if it's football or soccer or whatever, what you start, you're going to finish. You're not going to quit midseason. You're not going to say, I'm not going to do this. If you start it, you're going to finish this. You made a commitment to the coach. You made a commitment to the team. And so we wanted as parents to teach them a valuable lesson of faithfulness, of faithfulness, that you don't quit. And parents, let me just say to all the parents here, potential parents, listen to me. That's a really important lesson to teach your kids. If they whine and complain, don't let them whine and complain out of doing something. You teach them, no, you're going to learn to commit. That's one of the most valuable lessons they could ever learn in their lives. How many would say amen to that? I mean, that's true. Because if you if you let them quit, you know what they're going to turn out to be, right? Quitters. Anytime it gets hard, life gets hard or things get difficult, instead of learning how to persevere and stick with it, they'll quit. And that's not a valuable lesson. That's, that's a bad lesson you want to teach them. Now, the reason I bring all that up is because the writer of Hebrews has this same concept in mind, but not about baseball or soccer or football, but about walking and living with Jesus and for Jesus. And basically, the writer of Hebrews is trying to say to us that 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 you need to be faithful 
to God. And he uses two examples to make his point. The first example, of of course, is Jesus himself. And if you'll start in chapter 3, verse 1, he starts talking about Jesus there. By the way, you may throw you a piece of trivia, mess you up. You know, like there was the Apostle Peter and the Apostle James and the Apostle Paul, right? Did you know Jesus was an apostle? Ah, I messed with your head, didn't I? But read Ephesians, I mean, uh, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, and, and the writer actually calls him the apostle of our faith. Anyway, a little trivia right there. It's meaningless, but it's cool, okay? So anyway, it, it get in the head of a preacher. And so he talks about Jesus, specifically the incarnate Jesus. You know, Jesus who came to the earth, the Christmas story, robed with flesh. And so he says that Jesus was faithful to the heavenly Father. Jesus was sent with a mission, right? Okay, he came with a, with a purpose, came with a mission, what was the mission? To create a way for sinful man to be reconciled with a holy God. And, and Jesus fulfilled his mission. He didn't quit. He didn't throw in the towel. Now, now let me just show some things to you here because I want to help us all today. In the, the God part of him, because he was 100% God, 100% man, the God part of him, of course, never wanted to quit. But the man, the human side of him, felt the temptation to quit. Remember the Garden of Gethsemane story? Did you, have you ever read that, right? He, did he want to go to the cross? No, he wanted to quit. He said, Father, he prayed, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. So there was a part of him that didn't want to finish the mission, a part of him, the flesh. And by the way, let me just teach you spiritual truth here. Your spirit, man, will always want to fi- finish the mission, but your flesh will always fight the mission. And you have to determine who's going to de- win, the flesh or your spirit. And so Jesus made sure that the spirit side won, the God side won. He said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. And how do you fulfill the will of God? How are you faithful to God, walking with God? You have to daily, y'all, daily submit your will and what you want and your desires to the wants and the desires and the will of God. Okay? And that's why we just sang, I've learned to depend upon his word. Because you have to read the word and you find out what God wants and what God wishes and what God desires. And then you say, Lord, that's, those are mine as well. So Jesus was faithful. So through his death, he destroyed him who had the power of death, the devil. Through his resurrection, he redeemed us from the fear of death. Through his atoning work, he made propitiation for our sins. That's a $12 word that basically means he appeased the wrath of God on account of our sins for us. And that also he covered our sins with his blood so that you can't see them anymore. So let me just ask you this morning, how many of you are really glad? I'm going to give you a chance to be Pentecostal right here. How many of you are really glad through his death he destroyed the power of death and he defeated Satan at Calvary? How many glad Satan's been defeated? Come on, just shout a little bit. That's why you're here. You're in a Pentecostal church. You can shout if you want to here. How many of you are glad that through through his resurrection he has conquered death and you don't have to worry about die and you don't have to fear death because the moment you die to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord so you don't have to worry about death anymore how many glad about that just give God praise hallelujah and you ought to really get happy about this if you're born again how many of you are happy this morning I am that when you got saved Jesus took through his through his atoning work he took the wrath away that God had against your sins and he covered your sins and I don't care who you are and how bad you lived and what you did and what police record you had I'm telling you they may still have the police record on file but in heaven that file has been removed and you're my God I feel like shouting right now how many of you are glad your sins are covered I am I am how about you 
So Jesus finished what he started. That's the point. And we get all of those benefits because Jesus finished what he started. He was faithful. And then the writer of Hebrews goes to a second character in the Bible, Moses. And I think most, most people probably know who Moses is because most people are pretty familiar. But if not, Moses was this guy who was, who was the prince of Egypt and, and he was really Hebrew and, and he, he left there. And then God called him with a mission. And his mission was to lead the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage and into the promised land. And so Moses said, like at first Moses didn't want to do it. Okay, he didn't want to do it. But he submitted to God's will and he went and he did it anyway. There was a part of him that struggled with this, and he made excuses. You know, God, I stutter, and God, there's got to be somebody else. And, you know, he just, he just didn't want it, but God kept working on it because that was God's plan and God's destiny. And eventually, Moses submitted his will to the will of God, and that God used him in a powerful way. So what happened? He confronted probably who at that time was the most powerful person in the world, mighty Pharaoh, Pharaoh of Egypt, and he said, let my people go. I mean, that, that, that took courage to do what he did. By the way, I heard a comedian preach, uh, was, comedian was talking one time. He said, you know, some preachers are real long-winded. And he said, finally, you get like Moses, and you want to jump up and say, y'all, hey, preacher, let my people go. But anyway, so he confronted mighty Pharaoh. He, he, he did what God called him to do. He mediated the plagues that were sent by God on Egypt, you know, the lice and the, and, the, and the hail and the frogs and eventually the death angel that went and killed all the firstborn of Egypt. Moses did all of those things. And finally, he, the, the exodus occurred. He led them out of Egypt, came to the Red Sea, raised up the rod of God. The waters parted. They walked through, took them through the wilderness, all the way to the border of the promised land. Moses did what God called him to do. And let me tell you, there were times Moses wanted to quit. Those, those people grumbled and complained, and they gave him a hard time, and there was some rebellion. There were some people that raised up against him to try to come against him. And I'm telling you, there were times I know Moses wanted to just say, God, I'm done with these people. But he would not do it because he was more committed to God than he was to anybody or anything else. There's a lesson to be learned there. If you're going to be faithful, you got to be faithful to God, Okay. And so he gives these two examples. And then basically what the writer of Hebrews is doing at this point, he's using those two examples to segue into this final thought. If Jesus was faithful to God and Moses was faithful to God, then here's what I'm saying to you. You need to be faithful to God as well. So I just came here today to encourage you. This is an encouraging message. God wants you to persevere in the faith. If you're serving the Lord, keep it up. If you're living for Jesus, good for you. Keep it up. God wants you to do that. God wants you to, to press on. God wants you to remain steadfast in your relationship with him. God wants you to be 100% loyal to him. God wants you to be reliable to him during times of trouble and difficulty or persecution or stress. He wants you to, to say, hey, God, you're stuck with me. I'm going all the way through. One of my favorite Bible words, I have favorite Bible words. One of my favorite Bible words is the word diligence. Diligence, diligent or diligence. It's in the Bible quite a few times, or the concept is there many times. And I'll give you one of my favorite verses, and when I read it, you're going to know why. Proverbs 12, 27. The lazy man does not roast what he took hunting. So, so you know I like to hunt, and so I like that. And so when you hunt, um, you know, most hunters that I know hunt to, to eat the game. That's a food animal, Okay. And so we, we harvest the deer, for example. But once you harvest it, you know, that's, the, that's supposed to be the fun part, the kill, and they make videos of it. But, but the rule is once you harvest it, now 
that fun part is over, you roll up your sleeves and you skin the deer and you field dress the deer and you, you quarter the deer and you have to process it to get it where you can eat it, okay? Now, you know, in our culture, we don't do that. We pay people to do that. Hallelujah. But I have skinned deer and I've been part of quartering deer and I've, I've never actually processed the deer where you grind it and make hamburger. That's the only thing I've never done, but I've done everything else. I've field dressed many deer in my life and skinned many deer. So, but my point is, the, the writer is saying that a lazy guy will shoot the game, but then he won't even take the time and the diligence. And it's, well, here's the point is, there's a process. You, you shoot the deer, you got to process it. goes all the way through. That's why they, where do we guys take our deer, guys? We take our deer to the processing. There's a process that's got to be finished for the, for the kill and the hunt to be complete, Okay. And so, and so that's the point is there's a process that starts and then it has to go to a finishing point. And this guy, the, the wise man, is saying that a lazy man won't finish the process. He won't finish what he started. But here's the rest of the verse. But, I love this, because now you're going to get a really good spiritual point. But diligence is man's precious possession. I've got some prized possessions in my life. I've got some things that I really value, okay? But I've learned from the Bible that there are non-tangible things, non-material things, items in my life that are more valuable to me than my browning shotgun or my, you know, whatever. There are things that are more valuable to me. And those are the intangible things like my faith, my character, and in this case, diligence. And that's why I love this work because I, I've learned that diligence creates successful people. And diligence creates successful believers. You will never find a successful entrepreneur or businessman or whatever, any, anybody, in anything, even in recreation, the most successful people in life are diligent. They keep, they keep after it. They're going after it. They're trying to get the job done, okay? When you're diligent, you don't give up. You don't give in. You press on. You remain true to the cause, true to the project, true, true to the relationship. Listen to this. Even when times get tough or when you don't feel motivated, Diligence says, I'm going to press through anyhow. So yesterday, it rains all day, right? And so Leah and I were talking, and we made a deal that because it was going to rain all day Saturday, we would take Saturday to be the day that we would clean the house because our house needed to be clean. So we, we just did all the things. It's a good day. We're stuck in the house. It's going to pour rain. And so <clears throat> I woke up earlier than Leah, and I got up, and I thought, man, I don't feel like doing housework today. I don't feel like, I don't feel like doing anything. And, but I said, Clemson's coming on at 12, and I want to watch the Tigers at 12. And so I said, you know what? I said, boy, you just need to motivate yourself. Go ahead and just stop. So I shut the door to our bedroom, and I just vacuumed the whole house, cleaned up the kitchen, took the trash out, just some things we had said that we would do. And I was doing my part. Leah woke up. She said, you know, why didn't you wake me? I said, no. I said, I got motivated. Now, did I feel like doing that stuff? No. If I'd have given in to my feelings, I'd have laid around in a chair and done nothing and just watched football all day which is what I love to do on Saturday if I'm not hunting or fishing, okay, or playing golf. And so, and so but I said, you know what, i got to be motivated. And so I said, listen, you can't go by your feelings. Can I, can I spiritualize here? There are, are going to be days you don't feel saved. There are going to be days you don't feel like living for Jesus. But you don't go by your feelings. Don't ever go by your feelings. The heart is deceitful above all things. You always stay true to your faith in God. And, and so... The writer of Hebrews is calling you to be diligent in your walk with Christ. This is a good thing. And I'm going to give you a verse, Hebrews 6, 11. If you go three chapters over, here, Hebrews 6, 11, and 12. 
And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence. There it is. To the full assurance to the end. Do you see that? Be diligent to the end. Don't finish what you started. Okay. Let me, let me read the rest of it. And that you do not become sluggish. You know what that word means? Lazy. Isn't it cool how I took those two verses and. Okay, anyway. Took those two verses. And, and so, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those. This is really good for, for you know, if you're struggling in your faith with God, you want, listen, imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Look at the people who are diligent and who do serve the Lord faithfully. If you're struggling, look at them and say, you know what? If they can do it, what? So, so can I, because the same God is them is the same God in me. You can do it. Um, let's be honest. We need to deal with this. You can quit on Jesus if you want to. You can. You can quit on Jesus if you want to. Now, I know there are some people, we live in the South, and there, there, there are some people who do not believe this. They believe that once you pray a prayer, that you're guaranteed a priori, a little Latin phrase there, a priori, you're, you're guaranteed to get into heaven, and you're in, the deal's done. doesn't matter how you live, what you say, what you, deal's done. I don't believe that. I don't believe in unconditional eternal security, okay? I believe in eternal security, but it's just not unconditional. And so I don't believe, <laughs> you can quit on God, okay? And, 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 and to make my point, you can return the gift of salvation. Because there are some people, let me just deal with this for just a second. Can I deal with this just for a second? Uh, some people have looked at me through the years and they said, well, you, you believe you can lose your salvation? And I always tell them no. I said, no, I don't believe that. I know people have said that. I said, they don't know what they're talking about. I, I always make fun of it. I say, because when you say you can lose your salvation, this is what I start saying. I said, Leah, honey, I cannot find my salvation anywhere. I have looked I check your pockets. I'm checking my pockets. I cannot find it. I have misplaced it. Well, where did you have it last? Maybe go back to the church and see if you left it there. Now, when I do that, it makes it's funny, isn't it? Don't ever, don't ever, ever, ever let anybody say to you, oh, you believe you can lose your salvation. Look at them and say, no, I don't. And if they do, just start making make fun like that. You never lose your salvation. You give it back. For the gift of God, the gift of God, I'm quoting a verse there. For the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You give me something, it's mine. It's mine. I take it. But what if I don't want it anymore and I give it back? He said, but in my eyes it's yours. It doesn't matter. You can think it all you want, but in reality, I'm giving it back. I don't want it. Take your stupid gift, Right? You can return what God has given you. And to make this point, and no one is forcing you to live for Jesus, by the way. You have a free will. You, you daily choose to serve God, and you can choose to quit on God. And that's scary, isn't it, to think that people could choose to quit on God. Now, to make his point, the writer of Hebrews who believes this uses the example, the Old Testament example of the children of Israel when they were in the wilderness, when they came out of Egypt, they were all excited because they got saved. Not, not in a spiritual sense, but because they had been slaves. And Moses delivered them, and now they were free. And everybody gets excited when they first get saved, right? I'm free from sin, and I'm serving the Lord. But what happens was, as time went on in the wilderness, 
bad things started happening and they left their heart for God and their desire for God and they turned away from God. Let me just put it to you in these words, to use the words of the, of the writer of Hebrews. Hebrews, they eventually chose sin over God. They hardened their hearts. I'm pulling this right out of Hebrews 3. They refused to enter the promised land. They willingly disobeyed the Lord's commands and they stopped trusting in him. And consequently, the writer says they never entered God's rest. They died in the wilderness. And he uses them as an example to us to say there's a very real danger for us in the New Testament and the new, for the New Testament believer, a danger of quitting after you've started, of sinning habitually and then willfully disobeying God and returning to a life of unbelief and rebelling against God once again. So I'm just warning us today. Is that okay? We need to be warned just because if there's a danger, let's, let's know about it, right? So I go to verses 12 and 13, which is what I read today. Let's look at it now. Beware, brethren. It's a warning. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Listen, he's talking to believers. Y'all know that, right? He's talking to believers, and he said, you can depart from the living God. I didn't say that. I'm not making this up. It's right there in the Bible. You can leave God. You can walk away. So here's what's going to happen. If you turn your back on God, your clean heart will become an evil heart. Your faith will deteriorate to unbelief. And instead of walking with God, you will walk away from God. And instead of being tender towards God and the things of God, sin will harden you to the Holy Spirit and the spiritual things. Have you ever seen somebody like full-blown backslide? And you try to talk them into going to church, they say no. You try to talk about the Bible, they say no. You try to talk about morality, and if they don't like it, they'll say no. They, they get hardened. That's scary, isn't it? For at one time, they would have gone to church, and they'd read their Bible, and they'd have served the Lord, and done the things that are right, and then they get hardened. Listen, I, I, I don't want to talk about that too much. I just want to tell you today, that's not what God wants. What God wants, what God expects, and what God empowered us to do is to be faithful to him. And how many of you want to be faithful? I want to be faithful. How about you? I want to be faithful. I want him to come find me faithful. So look at verse 6. If you if your Bible right there, he kind of deals with this. He says, you are God's house. That means his dwelling place. How many of you are glad this morning God lives inside of you? Y'all know that, right? God lives in you. You don't have to go to church to find God. You had God with you when you woke up this morning. You messed up hair. You old nasty breath. Right? Sleep in your eyes. Don't roll over and look at your wife and say, kiss me, honey. She's going to say, oh, go brush your teeth. Right? You all messed up, looking bad, but you know what? You had God inside of you. He was just waiting for you to wake up. You brought him with you today. You are the house of God. And yet, this is what the writer says, for Jesus to continue living in you, there is a condition of faithfulness that must be met. That's why I believe in conditional eternal security. There are conditions that the Bible lays out. I don't lay them out. The Bible lays them out. And these conditions are supposed to be met. He says, if we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the home, hope firm to the end. Not just on Sunday. Not just when I'm in my 20s or I'm going to wait till my 60s to get saved. You get saved and it's all the way to the end. You hold firm to Jesus. You see it? 
Now, I'm, I know I'm a writer, I'm an author, and I know grammar, and I can, I'm, you know, I can do all that. I got A's and B's in school. I was, just, I was a good student. But, you know, it's not, it's not my thing. Like, I'm not an English teacher. I can use it. But if you start asking me about nouns and verbs and adjectives, and you start getting into all those prepositional this, and, and, and you know what I'm talking about? I just, I'll just glaze over. I'll just glaze over and, in my mind, be on my boat throwing a rod. I mean, I'm just, I'm going to glaze over. But I know enough about some stuff that I can use it this morning. If. Did you notice that little word if was in that? It's, matter of fact, several of these verses have if in them. Okay, if. If is a conditional preposition. I do know that. A conditional preposition. Now, what does that mean? The word is used to express a condition on which something else is contingent or dependent. Okay, so I'll give you an example. We'll, make a, we'll give a church example. If the pastor gives an altar call, I'll come to the altar. There you go. How about that one? If, there's a condition. Now, if he doesn't give an altar call, I'm not going to that altar. But if he gives an altar call, if a condition's met, then this will happen. Now, that's what he's saying here. You are the house of God, but a condition has to be met. If you hold fast the confidence that you have in Jesus as your Savior and the hope of salvation firm to the end. And that means without wavering, faithfully, until you die or until Jesus returns. Right? Go to verse 14. We have become partakers with Christ. Now, I really like this. We have become partakers with Christ. Now, they, the, the, the translators picked this word, so I wanted to go look it up because I thought, man, I want to see what that means. I love this. The word that we could identify with is we have become partners with Christ, associates. All right? So if we're partners, Joey, if you and I were in business together, we would be business partners. Okay? All right? And, and let's say you have more money invested and more equipment invested, and I have less. You would be the senior partner right? And I would be the junior partner. Same thing happens in law firms where you have the, you're, you're a junior partner in a law firm, but the senior partners have a little different say, more power, whatever. Here's what the writer of Hebrews is trying to tell us. We are partners with Jesus, but Jesus is the senior partner. You're the junior. Now, I want to preach this. I, I, I'm, about to, I'm about to be finished, okay? But I, I'm going to preach this to you. I want you to get this. I want you to see this because if you can get a hold of this, it will help you in living for Jesus. How many would like to just be helped this morning living for Jesus? So here, and I, I think, do we have this on the screen? I don't know. Anyway, here it is. What is faithfulness? Faithfulness. Faithfulness is not working for your salvation. Sometimes when I when preachers like me preach about your conditions, you gotta do this. People who, who, are, who don't believe that and, you know, believe in unconditional, they'll say, hold on, wait a minute, you're preaching works. You're, you're, you're saying you got to work for your salvation. I'm not saying anything. I'm just quoting Scripture. Well, what God says is that there are certain things you have to do or conditions that have to be met, but what I'm not saying today is that it's all on you. Because you can't do it. That would turn into legalism. That would be. So I'm not preaching works today. Okay, are there things that God demands and expects of you? Yes, faithfulness, holding firm. Okay, but it's not all on me, all by myself. That's not faithfulness. Now, all the way over here, faithfulness is not some passive belief, okay, where I take absolutely no responsibility and I just leave it all up to God. Okay, so one is total responsibility on me, 
This one is no responsibility. I, mean, I got saved. If I get to heaven, God will just get me there. I'm just going to live any old way, you know. I'm doing, the, I'm doing the best. I love this. I'm doing the best. How are you in the Lord? I'm doing the best I can. That almost sounds like that. Okay? This one is God and I have, a, we, God and I have an understanding, preacher. I love that one. We have an understanding. Oh, really? So you can negotiate with the senior partner now. I'd like to see the contract. Could you give me a copy of that, please? So it's not, it's all on me, or over here, it's not, nothing on me. It's right in the middle. Faithfulness is trusting in God for your salvation, for by grace you're saved through faith. It's the only way you're saved. And manifesting that faith manifesting that trust, evidencing that faith and trust by avoiding sin and obeying God daily. Does that make sense? Let me just put it, it's shared responsibility. He'll do his part. I got to do my part, right? So there is a verse in the Bible, I think it's in Philippians, that says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Y'all ever read that one or heard that one? That sounds awful like this one, doesn't it? It's all on you, bud. Work it out. Good luck. See if you make it to heaven. <laughs> we'll see. That doesn't sound very confident, does it? But you have to read the rest of the verse. The rest of the verse says, for it is God who wills and works in you. So you do your part. God will do his part. That's faithfulness. God, you can count on me. To serve you and obey you and take the right, the right fork in the road when I come to a moral choice. To do the right things, to say the right things, to think the right things, to react the right way. God, to stay true to you when times get tough, to not shipwreck my faith or throw in the towel. But God, even when it's bad, I love you when it's good, but when it's bad. You know, some people love God, we're in the mountain, but they can't serve God, we're in the valley. Okay? But you say, God, whatever you do, I'm going to serve you all the days of my life. And, and, I, and I'm going to serve you because I'm, I'm going to do my part because, God, what I know beyond a shadow of a doubt is every moment of every day you're there working in me. You're doing your part. You're going to get me through. You're going to help me, God, to get me through. I'm just thinking of a funny story that my dad has told a million times about a guy that, that he would get saved in every revival, and then after the revival he would backslide. And then, he would get, then another evangelist would come, and he would get in the altar and get saved, and everybody would be fired up, but the evangelist would leave. He'd backslide again. And this went on about three or four times, and the next time an evangelist came, and he was in the altar. This little old lady in the church that had been watching this, she got down beside him, and this is what she prayed. Lord, save him and kill him. Lord, just save him and kill him right now, God. She wanted him. She said, we can't let the revival in. Take him on, Lord. Now, I don't know if that really happened, but it would have been funny to be there, wouldn't it? My point is, that's not, that's not faithfulness, is it? Faithfulness is if you get saved in the revival, you get up, and after the revival's over, you're still walking with him and talking with him and living for him. And Come on, somebody, you're walking with Jesus because I'm all in. I'm in 110%. God, you're stuck with me. You're stuck with me. I want the musicians to come. So I'm going to talk, Jaron, I'm going to talk about Evan this morning. I won't talk about you today. I'll talk about Evan. You get a break. Can I come down here with you all? Um, so Evan, Jaron, I know you remember this. Evan played for the Reds. Remember when he played for that team, the Reds? And uh, I didn't tell this in the first service, but Terrence, I'm going to tell this because it's funny. It just makes it funny. The, the, the coach was black, and, like, 
95% of the kids on the team are black, and it's like Evan and another white kid. And that was just funny to me. I don't know why, but it just is funny. And, and that coach was phenomenal, and the, the players were phenomenal. And matter of fact, Leah had surgery, and we ran into one of the moms uh, for the team, and we got to talking about it, had a lot of great memories. But, but here you got little Evan out there, little white kid Evan out there, you know, and, and he, she was just real motivated. And the coach was phenomenal. He knew how to work Evan. That's why, like, he knew how to get Evan. He could talk to him and get And Evan was really good, wasn't he, Jaron? He was good. I don't remember. What was he, 8, 9, 10? It was somewhere right in there. But he was good. He could smack the ball. Like, he could crush a baseball. And, and uh, Jaron played third. Jaron's one of the most phenomenal. I'm going to Brett brag on one of the best third basemen I've ever seen in my life. We watch, we watch Major League. I'm going to embarrass him. We'll watch Major League's games, and, and a third baseman will make a good play, and Leo look over at me. She said, Jaron would have made that play. She does it all the time. Well, they put Evan on third. And Evan can make those plays. It was fun watching him, but he could care less. We had to, we had to push him. I had to motivate him. You know, get up, get up. I don't know. I don't want to go. Come on, son. You got to go. You made a commitment. We get, well, once he got out there, he loved it. And I remember one of my favorite, I have a lot of favorite members with Jeremy. One of my favorite memories, they're short because Evan didn't play much. He loved sports, but he didn't play much. One of my favorite, they were playing a team that was our the major competitor against us. And, uh, Evan's on third base, and this kid got up. I, I, I'm thinking it was like 10, 10 years old or whatever. This kid looked like he was 15. Somebody need to check his birth certificate. Child was on steroids. He got up, and all the kids, all, all the guys on the Reds, they're all like this. And Evan, he's just standing. They threw, we gave him a pitch. He hit a rocket, a line drive down third base line. And if it would have got past Evan, it would have turned the game. They would have rallied, and then it would beat us. And, and Evan just reached out and threw his glove like this and snagged it. Matter of fact, when he caught it, it about spun him around. And he come up like this. The, the coach, the players, the parents, we all went nuts. That was huge. We're all screaming, jumping, throwing babies in the air. It was exciting. I mean, it was big. And, and, and that was when, remember, the Titans had come out, right? And so, we are the Titans. You know, remember that? So, the, they did a, we are the Reds, we are the Reds, the mighty, mighty Reds, mighty, mighty Reds. It's funny me singing that, and he's playing something else behind me. And so, they were everywhere we go, and they would do that, and they would sing it. You know what they did? They won every regular season game, went to the playoffs, won every game, made it to the championship, and won the championship game. They got trophies. He had that little trophy from the Reds sitting in that, remember in that little armoire he had? He had that little trophy when he was in high school. Y'all probably still got some of y'all's trophies. Grown folks. Now, why am I telling this story about my son? Because unlike my oldest son, my youngest son, we had to motivate him. We had to, son, you got to go. You got to. What if, what if, what if, what he said, okay, son, you don't have to go to games. You can quit the team. What if, see, he was, sometimes for children, the parents have to be the motivator. That's why you should never let your child dictate whether or not you're coming to church or which church you go to. They're not mature enough to make that decision. And if they grumble, complain, threaten them to beat them, tell them to get in the car, you're going to beat them black and blue, take them to the altar for their healing. But you don't let that child, you take that, you get in the car. Now, when you get old enough, you can pick where you want to go, but we're going, I don't want to go to high praise. We're going to high praises. Come on, parents, I'm helping y'all. I'm helping y'all, parents. 
You're the parent. Okay. Just had a little tangent I went off on. Come back. What if, what if we'd given in? What if we'd have given in? He'd have never got the trophy. Of the victory. Of overcoming. And we'd have taught him a horrible lesson about quitting. Listen to me. There is a verse in Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. Spoken, there'll be words in red in your Bible, spoken by Jesus. And it goes like this. Be faithful unto death. And I will give you a crown of life. There's a trophy waiting. But it's not a little cheap plastic one that says 19, you know, whatever, 2005 rec champs, 10 and under, whatever. It's a literal crown life you may not have led much more than your house maybe a department at work maybe an organization maybe a little group maybe you've never really been much of a leader but I'm telling you one of these days if we'll just stay motivated we'll stay faithful we don't give in we don't give up we stay true one of these days you're going to get to heaven you're going to come before the throne and you're going to kneel. And King Jesus is going to come over with a crown and place it on your head and say, good job. You were faithful. And you'll be rewarded. And it's not going to be something like a pretty tiara. Like a Miss America pageant tiara. Oh no. This is a real crown with authority behind it. That God is going to say, if I could trust you, stay true to me when you were on earth. We're fixing to go back and I'm going to set up a kingdom without end. And I need some leaders and you're one of them. You're going to serve and rule and reign with me. There's your crown of life. It pays. That shouldn't be why you do it, but it pays to stay faithful to God. I want you to stand with me all over. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.